Welcome everybody to another episode of Snowgoer Live, where we bring you some of the most interesting people and stories in the sport of snowmobiling. On this edition, we get to talk to arguably the most talented photographer in the history of snowmobiling. Wayne Davis is a true icon in the sport. From action photography of new sleds to dynamic racing action, intriguing custom photography to behind the scenes studio work, his amazing photos have captured the spirit and passion of the sport for well over three decades. As it says in his profile on the International Snowmobile Hall of Fame website, Wayne's work has captured and preserved the joy and excitement that is snowmobiling and snowmobile racing for future generations. He's been knocked down, run over, caught in avalanches, lost in whiteouts, and suffered frozen fingers, and keeps coming back for more with a smile on his face. I'm lucky enough to call him my friend. He's one of the first people I met in this sport when I was hired 29 years ago, and he's pretty much shot every cover on Snowgoer magazine since it was relaunched in 1990. And now I'm going to bring in my friend, Mr. Wayne Davis, live from his studio in Plymouth, Minnesota. How are you doing, Wayne? I'm doing excellent. Thank Good. you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for joining us. You know, we, we put out a, a call to action on Facebook asking people who they'd want to hear from and whose story they'd like to hear. And a lot of people have mentioned Wayne Davis. And, you know, it's one of those things that I've known you forever. I mean, you're one of the first people I met in this crazy industry. And, uh, you know, so... Maybe I, I take for granted all the, all the things you've taught me and all the great stories you have to tell. So it was great to see that other people uh, wanted to hear your story. So Yeah, I was honored, really honored to hear that. Very good. Well, let's, uh, let's just get to work then. Let's, let's jump back to the very beginning. So mm -hmm. you're, uh, you're, you're a young boy growing up in southeast Minnesota. How did you end up in this whole snowmobile thing from the very start? Uh, my Uncle Marvin... Um, actually raised me for part-time, yeah. uh, had a Polaris dealership. He got his first snowmobile like back in 62. You know, so he has a 62 snow traveler in, you know, that he had got way back then. And wow, he was right um, on the ground floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's one of the earliest Polaris dealers ever. You know, so, um, so I went and lived with him part-time. And so that's where I, got to know snowmobiles and my love for snowmobiles and um i'm so fortunate you know yeah. i learned a ton of things about life and snowmobiling and so on through uncle marv and um that's pretty much where this love of snowmobiling started so you were uh, uh you were you were doing some stuff at the dealership and and soon you found yourself or got yourself an opportunity to go racing tell that story yeah uh so um I wanted to go racing in uh, 72, I think it was 73. I uh, worked at the dealership and was able to get my own snowmobile, bought my own snowmobile. Nice. And I wanted to go racing and it was, you know, kept explaining to me, Uncle Marv did that it was just too expensive. And uh, so I worked out a deal with him to, you know, to take me racing by, you know, I had to make a promise that I'd never smoke or drink. <laughs> which is stuck with me to this day. Uh, then we went snowmobile racing and, and uh, he was right. He kept saying it was going to be way too expensive. And, and uh, as I, after I got older and I got more into it, I found out just how expensive racing was. And, and uh, so I'm fortunate to have been led into it by a person that knew what he was talking about and kind of guided me in with realistic values and so on. 
Uh, yeah, that, that racing thing hasn't gotten any cheaper yet uh, no. either, has it? Not uh, at all. So, so, so share a couple memories from, from your racing uh, uh, days before you got, got the camera in your hand. What, 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 uh, what, what sticks with you after all these years of, of going around various tracks? What sticks with me the most is not maybe so much time on the track yeah. as time with my friends and mechanics and brothers and so on in between the races. Mm -hmm. um, you know, times in the shop that we were working on it or traveling, you know, let's say we were on the East Coast tour where you would go to Maine and to Peterborough, Ontario and uh, Vermont, you know, just we'd be on the road for weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah. Uh, Darcy Ewing and Todd Elmer and, you know, and those are times that I that kind of stick in my mind about my racing days, uh, the friendships and the the behind the scenes stories that we had. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I remember the most actually. I, uh, that's something that I've talked to about other people in the racing community and in some previous videos that, that I think to an outsider, they may, may not realize, you know, what a tight group the racing community mm -hmm. is. Oftentimes, you know, the, the kids are there with mom and dad and, and, you know, maybe it's an uncle who's setting up the sled and it's their best buddy who travels with them for a couple of weeks. But then even among the racers and the race teams, you, you're, you're kind of traveling with the same people and it ends up being kind of its own family. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the beauty of it. And that's one of the rare sports that that happens you know yeah. that fam it's family and and uh family driven if you will absolutely that, uh it's it's a beautiful thing you know that that happens that way and and again i i, I think a lot of people would say that the same thing i just said you know that it's the memories of being around pe those people in the family that they remember yeah. And it's still that way to this day. I mean, even, you know, you, you go to ERX, you know, which is a track here in the Twin Cities, uh, uh, you know, now regularly. And it's it's families. It's still a family group, even with the, the people running the, you know, the, the kids 120 sleds and stuff. So yeah. it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's the gift that keeps giving. Mm -hmm. So speaking of gifts that keep give, give, keep giving, uh, uh, it was actually a crash that led to your photography career. Uh, share that story with our, our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. It was. um and on the East Coast tour, uh, we were racing in Peterborough, Ontario, and it was a real warm, it was a, like a Friday night racing type of thing. And uh, it was a real warm night. So the pit area and so on was, you know, of course, everything would be in ice, was melting. And it was round robin racing back in those days, the 340X and 440X snow pro days. and. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you only had limited amount of time to work on your machines before you had to pull back out for the next round robin heat. And uh, I had put my gloves down on the on in the, the pit area, down so my knees wouldn't get so wet on my suit. And uh, we were working on the suspension and the track, and um, came time for me to go out. <laughs> so I quickly had to just flop the snowmobile back over, put my gloves on, and away I went. And when I got the first turn, my glove was so wet that it uh, slipped off the handlebar and I just holding on with my right hand and it made a hard right turn right into the wall and broke both my wrists. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty traumatic time in my life, you know, that having to heal up from that. I had to have multiple surgeries on them and yeah. so on. And 
does not sound good, but how does that end up putting a camera in your hand and, and having you uh, become uh, the, the best shooter that's ever been in snowmobiling? Yeah, it's kind of a blessing in disguise, you know, yeah. that I, I, I still wanted to go to the races and, and, you know, had the desire to go to the races even while I was healing. And uh, my brother had actually bought a camera outfit uh, that he just wasn't using anymore. He needed some money. And he said, well, if you'll loan me the $60 or whatever it was, I'll let you hold on to this camera outfit until I pay you back. Well, he never paid me back. You know? so <laughs> I was like, well, I might as well learn, you know, take this out and take this with me. And, and uh, so when I was at the races, I, you know, had access to the infield and so on pretty much because I was a racer. And um, I just started taking pictures of my friends while they were out there and, and uh just learned and got better and better and better and uh then um it was in 82 yeah uh, jim kettinger from yamaha i had given some pictures to tim bender and bobby donahue and so on and they had given them to jim kettinger their, their race coordinator and jim searched me out at the track and said you know hey we, your pictures are really good can we hire you, you can we use first it was can we use your pictures uh they want needed autograph stock and of course i said yeah sure you know right and so then the next the very next race i was found you know searched out the yamaha guys and here they're sitting there autographing the pictures that i had just made uh, uh and as their autograph stock and it was just amazing to me to to see I that bet. And uh, then Jim Kettinger said, well, your pictures are so good. You know, we want to sign you to a contract to follow along with the race team. And, and uh, again, I was still kind of healing from my broken wrists and uh, um, said, yes. <laughs> and and it, I'm, I'm so glad that that happened because it's, uh, that, that was the start of my photography career professional photography career of course i had taken pictures for years before this as you know even as a young man i you know took pictures and so on but uh that's how i got my start as a professional photographer not, not to get uh, too wonky on on any of this stuff but uh you know people you know talk about uh you know how you're supposed to frame up a photo and different things like that and there's there's ways to be trained to be a photographer but in those early days were you just shooting what felt good to you had, had you gone to any classes about you know having composition of a photo or anything like that no classes uh, of yeah. course, I, I now that i think about it i did take photography class in high school a, okay. a photography you know so there must have been something in there you know that the rule of thirds if you will uh, you know yeah. must have must have been learned at that time um, but pretty much it was um, learning as I went. Uh, one of my advantages that I to, to try to make it cheaper for me to learn, again, we're talking film days. So right. I, you know, it was way pre-digital. So I would roll my own film. I'd buy film 100 foot at a time and roll them into these cassettes. And, and mm -hmm. that was cheaper per roll. And then I learned to process my own film and i had an enlarger so i'd print my own film to you know to make a final print cheaper and um as i was pretty soon i realized that my enlarger is always way up on the top you know so why is you know so i'm losing quality okay so 
that taught me to, I need to get closer or I need a longer lens and so on. So the, the uh, quality kept going up and up and up as I learned and I, um, you know, so then I, I liked it better when you had a little more room in front of the machine instead of the, to the, uh, to the back, right? You know, so, um, it, so it had a lead into it. And so I just learned these little things as I went along that, uh, helped in my photography career, um, okay. just by picking up some things here and there. So, so, so Yamaha hires you to, to chase around the race team for a winter. Um, how fast does that accelerate to the point where you're doing stuff for the magazine company that I work at to where you're doing, uh, you know, snowmobile manufacturer, uh, regular photo shoots for their entire product line? How, how does that progress? Yeah, it was very fast. Yeah. I would say, so I started shooting for them uh, like in December yeah. uh, for Yamaha. And the next spring... Jimmy DeKendricks, you know, from, from Ellert Publishing there. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, even now, I'll, I'll back up, uh, CJ Ramstead actually was, you know, started hiring me for Snow Week and so okay. on. And there was even a guy before that, uh, at, when it was web publishing, that would hire me to, to go around to races. And, and um, so that kind of started me into the magazine portion of it. And, but what Dick Hendricks was after me for was to shoot road reports. Okay. He said, well, if you can make a snowmobile going that fast, look that good, he says it wouldn't be any problem for you shooting, um, you know, machines that aren't going near as fast and so on. And would I be interested in doing that? Well, that has led to the, all these multiple years of shooting for snowgoer, which, uh, um, uh, I, I believe I'm into 40th year of that. <laughs> so that's pretty amazing. You know, yeah. that, uh, uh, so then besides the magazines, um, so then Yamaha had me start shooting some of their brochure stuff. And then it worked into Polaris. Uh, I met Marlis Knudsen and, and, uh, she was real instrumental in having me start shooting their snowmobile stuff. As well, then it got into ATV stuff and then watercraft stuff. So, as they progressed, I progressed with them, also, and and uh, then it just you know pretty soon it led in you know toy. I'm sorry, uh, Yamaha had a Yamaha Toyota Challenge. Yes, I and so that. you'd win a, a Toyota truck, and so that led to doing some work with Toyota, <laughs> doing that poster for that particular challenge and so on. So it just kind of snowballs, you know, into aftermarket companies and and clothing companies and and so on that uh, you know really enjoy all aspects of it. Right. There's a and and you know for for our listeners that you know if if you've seen a single copy of of any of our magazines in the last you know again thirty five plus years, you know. The action photos were all taken by Wayne. If you've seen, you know, so many you've shot for pretty much all the all the snowmobile manufacturers over the years and stuff. And so his his stamp is on a lot of things. Um, you know, one of the I've, I've long said that that I firmly believe that you're the best power sports photographer ever and specifically the snowmobile photographer for many reasons. Uh, you have an eye for a lot of things. Uh, uh, you can pick out stuff. I'll, I'll see, you know, just 
a, a curve and a trail and a couple of trees and it doesn't look that interesting to me. And then I get back to photos that you take and it's like, oh my Lord, that's beautiful. I can't believe that was the same place, but you've, you've developed that skill. But aside from all of that, uh, back to the question, one of the things that, that to me, um, look from the outside in, it separates you from so many other people that have done stuff over the years is just your amazing passion for this sport. And that's why I, you know, I wanted to start talking about how you got into racing and all this other stuff. How important do you think that is? And, and how is that reflected in the images you capture, the, the fact that you've lived it, you've done it, and you have a passion for it? It's a very big part of the final image. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm riding down a trail, I'm kind of visualizing myself, you know, uh, how I lean, how I move, you know, when I accelerate and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so then I want to have the, the person viewing my photographs be able to put themselves into my shoes. I, I, you know, if they look at one of my photographs, they say, that could be me. Okay. That's me. That's how I ride. That's, you know, um, so I, I, there's such beautiful places out there Yeah. that you just, I just want to capture that so that again, people can put themselves in on the saddle you know, in that image or say, I want to go there. I want to do that. I want, you know, and so on to invite them in by looking at the photograph and making it interesting and beautiful and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, I just have a knack for being able to visualize that, that at the time where the light is right and so on, or I'm going to come back here this afternoon because it'll really look good. Mm -hmm. uh, with the light coming from this way and, and so on. And, and then I've been blessed with wonderful riders from my whole career of, uh, the people I've worked with, they're just amazing. And they contribute to, to the photograph just as much because, uh, they make it look so good in the way they ride and, and so on. So, yeah, the, um, You'd mentioned earlier how you had started out, you know, with racing and then you got into the product stuff that, you know, the the uh, the catalog type stuff uh, or the the manufacturer's photo shoots. And you've done a lot of stuff in the studio, uh, whether it's for us, whether it's for the manufacturers, whether it's for aftermarket companies or well beyond. Um, talk about the, the the thrills and the challenges of each of those subsets. What's what's you know, which one's most thrilling, which one's most tedious? Well, you know, take it however you want to take it. Yeah, to me, it's all thrilling, you know, okay. uh, whether it's in the studio or on location. Uh, I just love it so much, you know, that it, it, it's all thrilling and it's all what I love to do. But each does have their own challenges and rewards, um, uh, you know, to to see, for example, a brochure on location brochure come together with all the moving parts of it and so on. And then you got the weather involved and, you know, personalities and, you know, getting things there at the right time. And, and as well as a lot of them are um, very, of course, we're so far ahead of time in production uh, on the photo shoots that we have to guard everything so carefully and so on. Yeah. So there's many, many challenges, but how it all comes together is is magic you know that everybody does their thing and mm -hmm. um so 
I love the thrill of that, you know, the location and shooting brochures and whether it's watercraft or snowmobiles or ATVs, whatever. Um, the, the studio stuff is a lot more, you have a control over a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, the, you can make the lighting exactly the way you want to. And, um, and as long as the timing of the machines arriving on time, <laughs> you know, uh, or, or the parts or whatever, uh, if that goes smoothly, you usually can kind of control the days and so on. Um, I love racing photography and, but that probably has the most challenges in that, you know, you can't control snow dust, you know, and things like that. So, um, you know, it it can, can be really challenging shooting racing with the weather and locations as far as being able to get to the corners the way you want to, to make a good shot that's maybe somebody else isn't getting, you know, and so on. But yep. uh, again, I've had a really great luck, if you will, you know, and being able to be in the right spot at the right time for many, many, many photographs uh, at racing and at the races. And, um, but yeah, again, that's one of the things that are really near and dear to my heart is the, is the racing. The, uh, yeah, in the races, it's funny those uh, those those people driving the sleds aren't there for us, are they? They're 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 oh. on their own gig, and so yeah, whatever line they're choosing or whatever, we can't say. Can you go a little bit to the right on your next pass? And, yes. and we've got a good light coming in there. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The uh, um, studio stuff, if I can hang back on that for a second, you know, um, probably with you know Photoshop and some of the modern tools that are out there now, probably a lot of things can be created on 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 screens. Um, but I mean, you know, some of the stuff that uh, uh, that you've been involved with just for our magazine company, whether it's, you know, kind of building a cabin in your shop for a photo shoot we did with clothing or some of the things you've done with dry ice to kind of create a, a ground cloud around our snowmobile of the year or whatever. It's uh, it's it's amazing the art that can be created in a studio that maybe to the person seeing the end photo. Yeah, it's kind of a mystical looking sled, but they don't know what went into making it look mystical. Sure. That's absolutely true. Um, and again, I can revert back to my film days, which half my career was film shot on film. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you had to shoot film and make it look that I mean, it, there was no Photoshop to recreate things uh, mm-hmm. to, to add in ice underneath the machine or you know, uh, take this person out there, you know, move things around. You, what you shot is what you got. And so thankfully I had the opportunity to learn the craft Mm -hmm. during that time. So that when it did get to be the digital age, it it just made everything so much simpler. Um, It still has its challenges, you know, very much so. But I was able to learn how to deal with making the final image better up front mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, then it opened the door a little bit more for a little more creativity as far as, well, if we could do the dry ice thing and then add some lights here and there and, you know, when to use grid lights and when to use you know, big soft boxes, things like that. 
um, it, it just opens up the doors a little bit more to the creativity of it because you can kind of think of, well, we can add this in later because it's just going to be so time consuming to do it up front here. Mm-hmm. So in post-production, we can just open that shadow up a little bit more and so on. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's really made things e- easier to the digital age has. But um, I, I love that creativity of oh, yeah. doing photo shoots in the studio. The uh, Kind of going off on a tangent here, but, um, you know, one of the most – anybody who, who lived through snowmilling in the – the late 80s, early 90s, saw an image you took of Tim Bender leaning way off a of Yamaha with a smeared background and stuff. And it's just a just one of the truly epic shots in all of snowmobiling. I mean, that thing was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, could you, I, I, I know it's a long story and we don't have forever, but could you kind of tell how you made that background speed smear and how that worked yeah, just in that, layman's terms? That was one of my, would, would probably be one of my favorite photo shoots. Yeah, uh, Tim Bender was racing NASCAR at the time, so he we only we knew we were going to have have Tim in the studio for half an hour or so because he was just in between cities and in, in a flight. Um, so Yamaha wanted to make this poster, Formula Three poster, and uh, they just pretty much turned me loose on it. And so what I I went and bought a bunch of lumber and built a. Uh, almost an A-frame that's laying on its side so to yeah. build the bank oval. And so it was out of plywood and two by fours and so on. Um, so the back part of it was about three feet high. So the machine was gonna be sitting at an angle as if he was on a bank track. And so we wired it or you know, tied his machine down with bolts and wires and so on to this, to the plywood. And we had, um, seamless paper white seamless paper underneath that and we spray painted it somewhat to look like ice and then we put a sheet of plastic over top of that and so his sled was sitting up on pins a little bit so we were able to move this plastic underneath it to give a little bit of motion and so on and um so we got that all set up and then we built a second set that that had uh as high as the background was a, a shelf, if you will, that we'd put the hay bales on and that was all on wheels. So then we put the Yamaha banner back behind the hay bales. And so during the four second exposure that it was going to be to, to create the motion of it, two people were pulling the background through. They had to go from here to here in that four seconds Tim had to hold perfectly still for those four seconds. And then we had people on each side of moving the plastic underneath the machine back and <laughs> forth. And we had a person counting out the, the, the timing of it, you know, the, so everybody knew where we were at with it. Yeah. And I was shooting that on four by five camera. So again, this is back in the film days mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, large format camera. And it was, it was so cool to put all that together. But the results were phenomenal. And, you know, now people can do all sorts of strange things with their iPhones or whatever. But to be able to coordinate all that and have to do it on an extremely small time budget where, you know, yeah. Tim's there for just a short period of time, then he's gone. That's uh, uh, incredible what had to, had to happen to create that. But the end result was fantastic. Right. Yeah, it was 
so we built the stage, you know, for a couple of days before the shoot, got it all ready for that. When Tim arrived, we were, we we're going to go in the studio. And so, yeah, it was all created and it fooled many, many people that they didn't know that was a studio shot. Yeah. And uh, that was the beauty of it. And just an iconic image. The um, so so you know back to talking about racing and being at the track. Um, you, I've always been amazed at what a connection you have with the racers. Um, whether it's just knowing everybody's name, knowing everybody's style, just being able to get a feel for it. But also, you know, if I, I've seen you, if somebody gets injured in a turn, you're often the first time person who's there to check on them. Um, where does that come from? That that just that that one to one connection you have with individual racers over the years. I kind of think that comes from my dad. Okay, uh, he just had a fantastic ability to relate to people, and uh-huh. it's not something I can explain. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, he was everybody's friend. Everybody knew him. Everybody's friend, and uh, I kind of think I got that from him a little bit uh, as far as the personality and. Um, but these, I feel it's kind of a coordinated effort between them and me. Okay. You know, they're going to make me look good <laughs> and I'm going to hopefully try to make them look good. That's fair. And I've, you know, to build those relationships only improves that. Um, but I genuinely care about their well being and that they're, they have what they need and, um, if I can provide a service for them to help them out with images or so on to further their career, well, okay, here you go. You know, right. Um, you know, that's something I kind of pride myself in, in giving back to people. I, I don't, I've given out thousands of photographs to up and coming racers and so on to help mm-hmm. get their career started and, and so on. And, um, I consider them all friends and, and, you know, I generally care about them and their well-being, and, yeah. and they're doing something that I love to what, and whether it's on the racing side or the photography side, it's the same. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you can, you can, you can tell it's authentic. I mean, you know, even though you say they're helping you, you're helping them at the end of the day, whenever I've seen you interact with these people, it's always truly authentic that you're there mm-hmm. helping out however you can, you know, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. an angle, so to speak. Um, so we've talked about some of the, the good stuff, some of the incredible photo shoots, some of the neat stuff you've created over the years. And, and Stonewheelers, you know, again, if they've been around for any years, uh, they've seen your great work in various places. Um, but it hasn't all been glamorous. Um, you know, you've been you've been run over. You've been caught in avalanches. You've been, you know hit by a sled and, and uh, thrown into some semis and carried off in a stretcher. Why do you keep coming back? What do you know, how do you, how do you, you know, weigh the risks and the rewards of, of doing this somewhat risky behavior at times? Yeah, it, it is. It really is. Um, I love what I do. Yeah. And it's, it's a part of it. I way back. Um, wow. This is, is Bessemer, Michigan, uh, a fellow photographer that was 10 feet away from me was hit by a snowmobile and um, hurt very, very, very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, I remember after getting her loaded into a, the, the ambulance and everything, it was horrible. Uh, I remember going and sitting on a 
hay bale and kind of saying, what if that would have been me? You yeah. know, is, is, is this worth it? And I, after a few minutes of evaluating it, I'm like, no, it is, it is worth it. So carry on. And, um, you know, though a lot of that stuff happened, a lot of the, the, the things you mentioned happened in a short period of time. Yeah. So I had a lot of my career where nothing happened to me. And then <laughs> a few brief years where it all seemed to be happening. <laughs> to me. And so I kind of knew, you know, this isn't this way normally, you know, uh, this yeah. is things just caught up with me, if you will. And uh, these days, I kind of refer back to the One Republic song uh, with every broken bone, I say I lived and I'm living my life and come what may, you know, if this is the way I'm going to be taken out, well, it's unfortunate, but you know, I'm going to live my life each, each and every day and come what may, and we'll just keep moving on through it. That you know, I that, do what I do. Yeah. That said for, for any of you, uh, aspiring, uh, wannabe Wayne Davis is out there. You know, Wayne Ways wears some safety equipment. He isn't out there uh, just standing there in a, in a loose-fitting jacket and uh, hoping to look good for if the TV cameras catch him. Uh, you know, you've, you've got your chest protector on. You've got your, I believe you wear shin guards and knee pads yeah. and everything. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. uh, you know, there's ways to, to limit your risk, certainly, but Absolutely. it's still a risk. It is, yeah. And I'd advise anybody interested in doing this to... Think, think about the safety first, because that is critical. Your families, your, the people that care about you rely on you to be safe. And, and uh, if you're going to do it, look into getting that equipment yeah. so that, you know, you're properly, you're, you're taking care of every opportunity you can to be safe. No pictures worth, you know, losing your life over. Right. Okay, let's change topics. Give me the top three Wayne Davis most beautiful places to shoot photography. What, what, what sticks to your mind with something like that? Well, what sticks in my mind is uh, did a Can-Am shoot in Mexico. That was really cool. We got to run the Baja Baja route in side by sides. That was that was cool and beautiful. And uh, then uh, the St. Thomas Islands. Wow. For a shoot there and then many places like jackson hole uh Togety, you know cook city many yeah. many places like that but there's so many dynamic places in the west and, and and just a quick personal story uh um as 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 you know we used to have some some atv magazines that i was also the editor of and it was about a year after we uh we uh sold off those magazines as a company that uh that can am had that event in the baja peninsula and that's a place i've always wanted to be and then you know of course i didn't get an invite to that one life's just not fair right oh that was really a cool event okay then give me your favorite three races of all time or race events uh favorite races for me would be Eagle River, of course, hands down. I yeah. just love it there. I get chills every time I drive into Eagle River, whether it's summer or winter, whatever. But I'm the same. Love that one. Uh one of the my favorite races was uh I mentioned before the Toyota Yamaha challenge that yes. they had. And Steve Hool 
won all three of them, the, the trucks and the sleds and the, you know, he won all three times they had it. The snow plows. The snow plows <laughs> everything. Uh, the last time he won it at, at Thief River Falls was the most incredible race I'd ever seen in my oh, life. Really? It was, it was incredible. He, he had jumped the start. So he had to face backwards at the start and he's in there with Tim Bender, Bobby Donahue, just the, the big names. He, yeah. you know, he's got a huge challenge in front of him and uh, now he has to start facing backwards. And uh, to, I got this incredible story of the race, but I'll keep it quick. He came back and won the race. Huh. Most incredible race I've ever seen in my life. And so that was one of my favorite races. Okay. Um, I always love to go to Canterbury and Duluth when they had the races there was, was always special. Yes. And Thanksgiving weekend and, and so on. Uh, so um, mostly any racetrack, any, you know, all the locations I've been to are, are great. Uh, but those are probably my favorites. Yeah. And so some of them that, uh, um, I don't want to set you up for too big of a negative here, but um, some that some people outside of our world think would be the ultimate ones to go to sometimes really aren't, you know, say like an X Games or something like that, where it's it's more about something else and less about the competition. Those ones aren't nearly as fun as, say, like the Grand Prix de Valcour, where the entire mm. town rallies around this event. You know, there's there's just a different vibe at those things, those type of events. You know, one might get more TV coverage, but the other one to be there live is more uh, uh, fulfilling to me right. anyway. Yeah, the, the X Games are great, but there's so many challenges and yeah, and a lot of pressure because you know the images have to go out immediately, and so they're really long days and and yeah. real hassles, lots of hassles. You know, of can't be here, can't be there, got to do this, got to do that, and um, where the other places it seems like they want you there, right? You know, the community wants you there, the racers want you there, Every, everybody involved is happier there, and so on. Where you know some events that's not necessarily true. Absolutely. It isn't. So the reason a lot of people are, are, are seeing or hearing this, uh, this presentation is because they're snowmobilers and, and you're the world famous Wayne Davis snowmobile photographer. But a lot of people don't know all the other things you've done with photography. You'd mentioned your trips to Baja and other places earlier, um, but kind of expand on that. Some of the, the wonderful places that, and things you've seen and things you've done as a photographer, you know, even, you know, through your church and things. Yeah, through my church, I was able to go to um, through the Kingdom Expansion Division to Malaysia and Bolivia, China, Taiwan, uh, Jamaica, all, all all around the world. You know, yeah. to and that was really cool because while I was in each of these places, they got to see some very special places. And I'm in sure. Malaysia too, they were having their it's almost like our bicentennial in. Oh in 1976 for example okay. we had these huge um bicentennial gatherings and parades and all uh -huh. that kind of stuff and i was involved in their national one so i was right behind the president of wow. malaysia you know from his box as he's watching the parade and i had free reign to go anywhere i wanted even amongst the people as their participants as they were going in the parade and that was really special you know to Not be able bad. To go there and, and photograph the people and and so on and um, 
yeah, I've just been blessed to just do a ton of different things uh, uh, through long haul productions, uh, you know, shooting semis and softball players and baseball players that, you know, the twins and the North stars in the wild and um, just so many different events and um, just uh, countless, uh, you, yeah. kinda, you name it, I've shot it, you know, and, Absolutely. Uh, you know, to, to go to the St. Thomas Islands with, uh, you know, watercraft division and be able to shoot boats and stuff there was just spectacular. Yeah. And certainly plenty in the motorcycle industry and all sorts of things. It's, uh, um, again, I, I don't think a lot of people realize is all the different things you get involved with uh, as, as a pro shooter. So that's very fascinating. Right. And one of the disadvantages I've had, too, is as things have rolled over to social media um because i shoot a lot of prototype stuff i haven't been able to put things on social media like they do today and, absolutely uh, you know you you couldn't even tell where people you were what location you were yep you know that you were even leaving to go there or getting you know it's all secret stuff and and so it's quite a bit after the fact of you actually photographing it that you can even talk about it at all. So that's been a little bit of my disadvantage for social media. Anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you've had uh, an inside look on so many innovations, certainly in the snowmobile industry, but even beyond so different things that are, are not yet ready for the public's eyes to see, sure. you know, you're there capturing the images. So when that brand can release it, you know, uh, the the images that the world sees are, are your stuff, whether it's on a you know on a billboard going down Interstate 35, or whether it's you know on a on a brochure or whatever it is. It's uh, pretty exciting. It sure is. Yeah, I, I I'm just like I said, just blessed. You know the life I've been given, and you know uh, the first person to shoot the Royal Star motorcycle, the yeah. the Victory motorcycle. Uh, you know the first one to to shoot anything is just really something special yeah to be involved in that absolutely so you know you're one of my favorite people in the world and you and i could talk forever but i know some of our listeners probably have other things to do so let, let's let's wrap this up uh you know we're not expecting you to go anywhere soon i'm not trying to, to shove you off the edge of the planet here but uh because uh, this kind of sounds like a, a career capping kind of question but when it does become time to, to hang up the Nikons, if you will, um, you know, how do you want people to remember Wayne Davis and, and your contributions to our sport? Yeah, I think I'd like to be remembered as a person that gave back a mm -hmm. lot. You know, I really try hard to help people along uh, yeah. and so on. And uh, that's very important to me. And um, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I was always there, you know, for all over through these years, I didn't miss any shoots. You yeah. Know, I was, I was always there, always able to, you know, answer the bell, whether I was hurt or not. You know, I was always at the photo shoots, you know, there's times up in St. Dunant, you know, where I was, had food poisoning, but I made it every day, you know, yes. the photo shoots and. I'm dependable and uh, I, you know, I'd like to be remembered that, that I was, I did my job, did the best of my ability and cared about every single thing I ever photographed. 
Yes, and, and it shows in the work. And, and I've been with you when you've been coming off some of those injuries and in uh, food poisonings and stuff. And you're right, you always answered the bell. But not only did you answer the bell, you came out and still created the best imagery that uh, that, that was possible. So uh, uh, truly a spectacular career. But again, don't don't be going anywhere. I depend on you too no, much. No. Uh, so again, we've been talking to Wayne Davis, Hall of Fame photographer for the snowmobile industry and so many other things. Uh, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, John, so much for this opportunity. It's sure a pleasure to be able to tell my story and to be involved in something like this. It's very much a pleasure. Thank you. It is summer now, but soon we'll be shooting sleds again. I'm looking forward to that. Perfect. Thanks, Wayne. Bye.